0: i'm not too sure where the kind of color comes from to be honest Mm. it's definitely something that feels more natural to to the way i make work whenever i try and do something in non-bright colors and kind of you know colors on the edge of taste the work tends to get a bit bland and boring for me you know (laughs) i'm just i feel very comfortable in this kind of like psychedelic world of bright colors and stuff
1: Hello and welcome back to the Art Assist Podcast, a series by Bosler Arts offering a glimpse into the life of artists and activists from all over the world, here to share their stories with you, the listener. In the season finale, we speak to Moragaya. Moragaya is an award-winning multi- and interdimensional artist in London, exploring identity, awe, and everything in between. Born in England and raised in Wales with Sri Lankan heritage, Murugaya trained as an architect in London before choosing his current creative path, specialising in fine art, illustration, art direction, typography and design. Today he makes psychedelic work infused with the dichotomy of his Sri Lankan heritage and Western upbringing, all made in surreal, joyful style, using bright bold colours and detailed graphical compositions. In this episode, Murugaya and I talk about his life, talk about his change from architecture to fine art and a lot about his work. I'm a huge fan of his, I love his style and the way that he brings this kind of life warmth and energy to whatever he creates. We end talking about his recent commission for the UK's Refugee Week and his move into public art. Hi Morgaia, <laughs> it's... Amazing to have you on the podcast. Um, Hi, thanks for having me. Thank <laughs> you for coming on. You've had a big summer. You were the official artwork for, uh, sorry, you did the official artwork for Refugee Week and you've just come back from Green Man Festival where you also did the official artwork for that. How are you feeling? How's it all been?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel very blessed to have done so many fun projects this year. And yeah, it's been my kind of busiest, and biggest year so far. So I feel a little bit tired, but yes. also very, very thankful and kind of enthusiastic for for the work that I've done this year. I bet. Excited for the next bit of work that's coming out soon.
1: Yeah, it all looks amazing. What was it like being at a festival where literally everything <laughs> has your work on it?
0: Um, I'll be honest, at first it was quite daunting because <laughs> I got there and you know i the artwork that i do i did for the festival left my computer and then went to be made into the products and the installations and yes. various things that were there and that wasn't part of what i was working on i was very much there to make the artwork and then it was up to the team at greenman to kind of materialize it okay so at first i was a little bit nervous but as soon as i got there i relaxed because the the amount of love that green man sh- had shown for the artwork was mm. amazing it was it was everywhere it was like on the merchandise it <laughs> was animations either side of the stage oh. it was they built a kind of wooden um stage design with all of my characters and stuff in in the um round the twist tent oh, so wow. yeah it was fantastic
1: it sounds amazing i've seen some clips of it even on the wristbands on the beer <laughs> it's, so, it's so cool
0: yeah it was a lot of work um and i during the process i was kind of like is this a bit too much work for then, obviously (laughs) when you get there you see how much kind of attention to detail and how much fun they have with the work there and the people who attended the festival you know when they would find out that i had done the artwork they would come up to me and be very very thankful and really pleased and just really proud of their festival basically so yeah, it was really good.
1: That's amazing. Well, listen, it's so great to have you on. And we start every episode of the ArtPasys podcast with the same question, which is to ask you if you can think of a work of art, a film, music, anything that when you look back on your life has inspired either your your life in general or your, your work. For example... In our last episode, we interviewed a protest artist called Casey Wong from Hong Kong,
0: mm-hmm. and he
1: described seeing um, liberty leading the people, the French artwork as something that had a big impact on his life and also his his protest art later on. Does anything come to mind when I ask you that?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit cliched because my work is so surreal and mm. out there, but The Garden of Earthly Delights by mm-hmm. Hieronymus Bosch yes. is something that I always go back to in my mind whenever I'm making my artwork. Mm. Um, just the characters that Hieronymus Bosch was making at that time, in a time of, you know, when religion was the kind of like popular and um, thing and the big thing at that time and he was making these very absurd and crazy characters yeah Um, I had no idea you know I I needed to do more research as to how um, this type of artwork had come about during that time but yes creating surreal and fun busy compositions is something I do a lot in my work Mm. and that piece of artwork is something that is always in the back of my mind when doing so
1: yeah and as you say that I can definitely see the parallels and kind of the influences there do you remember the first time you ever saw that piece of work
0: oh wow um i'm not too sure i think it's always been a part of my consciousness (laughs) (laughs) because it's appeared in so many different films and tv shows and you know people talk about it all the time so Yeah, it's something that I think has always been at the back of my mind. I can't remember the first time I interacted with it. It must have been in a film. I'm a massive film fan. I couldn't tell you which film, but like, I'm sure I must have seen it as a a young person, you know, as a background to a film or a kind of zoom shot towards it or something. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And um, so tell us a little bit, if you can, about your early life. Where did you grow up and what was life like for you?
0: Yeah, so I... Was born in Burton on Trent in Birmingham, mm-hmm. and very soon after my family moved to Wales. Okay, and that's where I went to school. I grew up. I was a teenager. I kind of, you know, that's what I really call a part of my home. You yeah, know, um, being from South Wales, and um, yeah, very Welsh. Played rugby at school nice. and kind of spent a lot of time in the art room at my in my school. Um, didn't really do much else besides <laughs> those two things. <laughs> And then, yeah, when I was kind of a bit older and deciding to do, deciding, figuring out what to do at, uh, for university, um, having the privilege to go to university, um, mm. I uh, chose architecture mm-hmm. after a long discussion with my parents. <laughs>
1: <laughs> were they pro-architecture or against it?
0: They were pro because um, I wanted to be a fine artist. Okay. And um, I think they... Were a bit scared of that, yeah. Being kind of immigrant parents, not really understanding the kind of creative arts mm. um, and how you could succeed or have a job or kind of you know pay your bills as a fine artist. Yeah, they they kind of encouraged me to do architecture, okay. Um, which was beneficial because now the work I make is very architectural, it's very composed, there's the way the compositions are put together they're put together because of my architectural training rather than um, a fine art training, you Mm. know? So it's made the work more unique Mm -hmm. and kind of the way my brain operates when making the work is an architectural brain. So yeah, yeah, I I look back fondly now, but at the time (laughs) I was like, I really want to do art. Yeah, (laughs) please.
1: (laughs) And was your household as a kid very creative? Like, were you always drawing and stuff? How did you get into it?
0: I got into it through film. Okay. And my older brother kind of introduced me to movies mm. um, and showing me movies that probably I should not have seen <laughs> at the ages that I saw them. Um, I saw A Nightmare on Elm Street when I was like nine years old. Oh, no. It was very traumatising. <laughs> um, the Terminator franchise, um, you know, I, I was enamoured by this metal endoskeleton that mm. was in that film and I went to my bedroom to redraw that skeleton kind of multiple times. And wow. I think though those watching of movies and recreating them um, in drawing form was the beginning of my kind of love for drawing and art.
1: Okay okay that's amazing and so you go and you study architecture at what point did you think like I'm not going to be an architect I'm going to pursue fine art?
0: (laughs) I didn't really know what I was doing in architecture school because Um, as soon as I got there I was making all of my building designs were unbuildable they were very (laughs) wacky they had like giant periscopes coming out of them they had like over budgeted like you know patterns along the kind of these giant panes of glass it was every time I did a project it was weird and wacky and I didn't really think about it until the end of my architectural course (laughs) where my tutors were like you're really really good at designing the feeling of a building the kind of walkthrough the experience Mm. you're very good at presenting this building to us But what you're not so great at is thinking about the kind of structure behind the architecture that you're designing. And you're really good at presenting it. And we think that it would be beneficial for you to kind of go into a graphic design or a kind of illustration um, career rather than becoming an architect. Mm. And at the time I was like... Oh gosh, I've just studied <laughs> for seven years and I've just been told seven not years. to do the job. I forgot yes. how long it is. It's a very long course. It's a very long course. But I enjoyed being a student for seven yeah. years. It was great.
1: <laughs> Where were you studying?
0: Um, I studied at Kingston University. Oh yeah.
1: Okay, nice. Um, do you know it well? Um, not well, but I know of it. You know of it, yeah. yeah.
0: It's. Re- it was a really nice place to go to uni because it was London adjacent. You know, mm, we yeah. could go into town on nights out and stuff mm. but we got to have this kind of campus feeling because yeah. Kingston's such a small area and you can you know you're wandering around the, the town and you can kind of see your fellow students and like uh, what they're up to that day and stuff. yeah um, and then I did a year out in industry I did a postgrad at London Metropolitan on Holloway oh, Road wow. okay and then um, another year out in industry which only lasted six months because <laughs> that was the time after I was told maybe you shouldn't do this okay but I ended up working for six months and then really realizing I shouldn't do it because all of my hair started to fall out from <gasps> stress oh my god yeah it was really bad it was really bad so yeah at that point I you know I told myself maybe this isn't the right thing to do and yeah maybe jump ship and move on to a different career
1: and how, how did your parents react when you told them
0: when I told them about their hair they were like <laughs> yeah just okay. just do what you' got to do, yeah, yeah, we understand like you can't you know listen to your body and kind of yeah, yeah, um, I think the big difference in architecture school is um you get to design these crazy buildings, these crazy ideas, something that normally a team of people would get to design, you know yeah so, uh, t- uh, at, and a team of people would get to design much later in their careers. Mm. We're talking like the types of building projects you get at uni are like. Um, fine art galleries in Berlin, you know, like yep. that's, that's what I, my final year project was. And I don't, I haven't seen a kind of contemporary art gallery designed from scratch by a 20 year old, you know, yeah. it's just not realistic. Yeah. So when you get into the world of architecture work um, mm. and the hard, cold reality <laughs> <laughs> of that, it's a massive shock and yeah. um, not something I was prepared for. So, yeah. That was my time to go. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's so interesting actually cuz um for this season of the podcast you're the third artist I've interviewed who hmm. started as an architect. Oh wow. Yeah. Who were the other two? So Maybe one I know them. <laughs> One is an artist called Sophia Karim. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever come across her but she um she studied and trained and worked as an architect and then um she moved into kind of art activism. I think she even still does some architecture but she Mostly now does um, kind of artistic big campaigns for imprisoned um, political prisoners around the world, mm-hmm. and wow. the mm. second is Casey Wong, who I mentioned, who's um, a Hong Kong like protest artist and activist as well.
0: Oh wow! I haven't. I probably would recognise the work, but I'm not very yeah. good at names. Yeah, yeah, yeah Of course. So, but yes, I'm I'm gonna have a look at look them up and see.
1: But it's so interesting that kind of relationship between, I guess, yeah, going to architecture, but then I guess also you know using creativity in that way
0: it's such a good foundation for design in general yeah. because you're required at university, at architecture university, you're required to be an artist, an architect, an engineer, a graphic designer, yeah. and an illustrator all in one, yeah. um, you know, project because the graphic design comes when you have to present your building. You have to make these books and de- you know, of, of stuff, you know, that we reg- around your design projects and you have to do layout design mm. and all sorts. So, it really does build you up into having a very strong foundation for design Yeah. Um, to then jump off into many different courses and careers. One of my friends is a production designer for film and he studied okay. architecture with me at university. Ah. So, yeah, it's a fun fun uh, course to kind of do and then jump off jump from off. Yeah. rather than some of my friends who are still architects <laughs> and s- not struggling, just like tired I think. Tired, (laughs) done with it.
1: (laughs) And so once you left architecture how did you like how did you even begin finding your style because your style is so so unique and I love your work so much. How did you how did you kind of find your your unique style?
0: It took a very long time because I left the world of architecture in 2012 and I found my style in 2019. Yeah so it was a very long period of time and in 2012, I kind of like started just making personal projects, illustrated mm-hmm. film posters and personal ideas that I had all based on film because I yeah. love film. Um, and then for the, after that, I realized I needed some more experience in the kind of illustration and graphic design world. So yeah. I got a job for a year at a greeting card company as an oh, illustrator wow. and graphic designer. Okay. Okay. Um, which was fun, yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> I got to illustrate the cards and then kind of like design the graphics on the website and nice. know, do promotional stuff like that, and then I did that for a year, and then I became a graphic designer for a restaurant chain ah. where I did packaging, layout design, you know I, yeah, I, but more in the world of professional work rather than what I did how I did it at architecture school, and then after a year of that um, i I had enough experience to then go out on my own. Mm. Style-wise, though, I still didn't have a style. I was still making artwork that was inspired, you know, stylistically was inspired by artists that I was a big fan of. Yeah. I was ha- I had many different styles during that time. And it only took... So in 2019, I was really struggling with the style, the thematics of the work, and mm. then COVID hit. Yeah. So I used it as an opportunity to kind of, like, forget everything I had done before. Wow. Start from scratch. Yeah. Well, it's not really Scratch. It's kind of like the years of experience is the foundation. But I asked myself a few questions. Mm-hmm. I then asked those to a good friend of mine who's an artist and illustrator who had established his style for a long time. Yeah. And he was like, I really like the way you use color. Yeah. You, know, you can really blend and meld lots of different colors together and it not look bad. You yeah. know, you know, You can do that really well. And then the second thing he said was, you, you're you very good at busy compositions. Mm. You can fill a page and make it make sense. Yeah. Cool. I was like, so many people can do that. <laughs> How do I make this more unique? And he said, well, what is your experience? You're a, a person of color who was brought up in the UK, but has heritage in Sri Lanka. Mm. That's your unique experience. You should start referencing and pulling ideas from that experience, that kind of cultural okay. uh, divide, basically. Yeah. And then I had those three things and I started making personal work during COVID. I made a new piece of work every week. Wow. I didn't um, think about the kind of like details too much. I just made a piece, put it online and Mm. then kind of made another one. And then I started to get work and build and, you know, slowly get editorial work and advertising work and gig posters and film posters. And because I had this foundation of style that I was building on, Of bright colour, busy composition, some kind of Sri Lankan or South Asian kind of connection into Mm. the work, that gave me a kind of set of rules to follow for a little while um, to then build on basically.
1: Yeah and that's so amazing and I think it must be so great to have also someone to, to talk to, to look at it and be like well this works, this works, this works and then build on that. And you mentioned your heritage and how that plays into your work. Can you tell us a little bit about what elements you, you find to kind of draw on your Sri Lankan heritage?
0: Yeah, I mean, at the moment, I'm very much um, referencing my heritage in the same way a Westerner would reference another person's culture. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at it from the out, from an outsider's point of view. I'm yeah. not, I didn't grow up in Sri Lanka. I don't know or understand a lot about the mythology, the religion, mm. anything like that. I had tidbits from my parents, but yeah. nothing of substance. Mm-hmm. So, And I don't mind that because at the moment it is very much observational. I'm kind of yeah. looking at things that I like and that I have some connection with. Mm-hmm. Like I use a Raksha mask for my character. I yeah. adapted one of those Raksha masks from Sri Lanka and turned it into a contemporary version for my the character that I build mm-hmm. uh, into my work. is called Muru. Um, we used to have Raksha masks hanging in the house and, ah, stuff, okay. so, and mandala flowers are something that we also used to have in the house so it's very much this like cherry picking of small things mm. the reason I don't mind that is because as I connect more with my culture and my heritage the work will change and adapt yeah so I will eventually go there to Sri Lanka I'll learn more about the mythology and the religion and I'll I'll put more of that into my work yeah but I'm not letting it overwhelm me I'm kind yeah. of taking it step by step and seeing how the work adapts and changes over time because
1: yeah.
0: uh, everyone keeps telling me it's not about the end result it's about the journey and yeah. that sounds like a very exciting journey to go on so.
1: absolutely so you have you haven't been to Sri Lanka before
0: I went when I was 16 but okay. this was long before I had a career yeah. in the art so it was um and even then I was I've definitely felt like a westerner yeah you get treated very differently and you know it, it's it's quite interesting so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to going uh, again mm-hmm. um and kind of doing a lot more research and fantastic
1: stuff. yeah hi i'm hossam fazula co-founder of Boston arts i'm very happy to announce that our latest issue the brink is now out The Brink features the work of seven Ukrainian artists who contemplate the impact of Russia's full-blown invasion of Ukraine on their lives and work. As an Art Persists podcast listener, you can get 15% using the code TAP, with double P. That's T-A-P-P. Order now at boslaarts.com. That's B-O-S-L-A-A-R-T-S.com. Now back to the podcast. So what I really, really love about your work is the sense of life and vibrancy that comes with every single one of the works that I've seen of yours. And it's quite interesting, I guess, that this style was refined during COVID-19, which was such a bleak moment. <laughs> and actually, what I really love is how your work kind of brings so much joy and, yeah, like vivacity. vivacity. Um do you feel that when you're making it? Is that an intention or is it something that is just natural because of what you mentioned of the three elements to your work?
0: I think um, I'm not too sure where the kind of colour comes from, to be honest. Mm. It's definitely something that feels more natural to yeah. to the way I make work. Whenever I try and do something in non-bright colours and kind of, you know, colours on the edge of taste, the work tends to get a bit bland and boring for me. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm just... I feel very comfortable in this kind of like psychedelic world of bright colors and stuff.
1: Yeah. But
0: what people take away from it is entirely up to them. I think there's some of the subject matter I'm I'm talking about um, can be quite dark and Mm. can be quite kind of like um, mature. Um, But because it's juxtaposed with this kind of bright color, there's a very different response to it. So, yeah. Yeah, I I don't really think about the kind of, like, joy and positivity that comes (laughs) from it. I think it's just something that I naturally do. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm sure there will be a time when I kind of get rid of all of the colour and (laughs) just do black and white line-up or something for a few years and Mm. see what happens with it. But um, I'm not going to do... I'm going to stick with colour for now. Colour for now.
1: (laughs) Do you have an example of a time when you... When the subject matter was quite dark and you you kind of had that process of finding, like maybe found it difficult to create the work?
0: Um, Never find it difficult because the ideas are always quite kind of strong in my mind. There's two, the way I kind of describe the work now is thematically, the work is about identity. Yeah. And stylistically, the work is very much psychedelic, colourful, surreal, busy compositions. So that theme of identity is always... The through line now in the work and it's kind of people it's my characters struggling with their own identity Mm. and struggling with their own presence in the world yeah it's just basically my experience it's one that being born in the UK having Sri Lankan parents and not really fitting in anywhere that's all that's what the sense of identity comes from so that is the kind of struggling or like mature content that I'm making but in terms of the colours, it's never really something... I always add those bright colours in. And, and I think I struggle with it when I'm talking about it to other people. Yes. When it's kind of like, when they ask me what it's about, I'm <laughs> like, it's about this. And, you know, I can I always have a reason for, for each piece. But yeah. I prefer to leave it up to the viewer to kind of see what they think of it and yeah. what they take away from it.
1: No, that makes sense. And um, I think... One of my, yeah, I think one of the commissions you did that I love so much was obviously the one for Refugee Week this year. The theme was compassion, and you created this beautiful artwork for it and also a mural. Can you tell us a bit about like the process of making that? Because I think you had sessions with um, some young asylum seekers, I believe, and worked with them to create it. What was, what was that experience like?
0: Oh, it was fantastic. I mean, when CounterPoints got in touch with me, um, I was a little hesitant because mm. I wasn't from a refugee background and yeah. I felt like I was going to be stepping on some people's toes regarding the experience and, mm. you know, wh- how I could draw my experience for this particular project. Yeah. But counterpoints were, were saying, no, we actually need someone who doesn't have a refugee experience to work with our young asylum seekers yeah. and then together to make something. So it became very clear to me that this collaboration mm. with the group of young asylum seekers from Compass Collective, yes, um, it was truly their ideas and their kind of experiences that were presented in this workshop that we did together, which then I was in charge of kind of materializing and turning into a kind of bright, colorful, mm. joyous uh, piece of artwork, which is what Com- uh, CounterPoints kind of wanted me for. Yeah. So. Once we got through the workshop, I was kind of like, the ideas were all there, they were all presented yeah. to us. And it was very clear to me Anyway, it was very clear what I had to do and how I could make it. The, the repeating kind of motif that was within the workshop was that a hug, a hug yeah. is something that kind of a lot of the young asylum seekers were talking about a lot. And they were also talking about cups of tea, hands (laughs) reaching out to one another, doors being opened. Mm. So all of these things kind of were, you know, swirling around in my head. And that's when I kind of was able to design two of my characters that were in this embrace. Um, And they're surreal and weird, you know, Mm. they've got flower heads in there and they're a bit different. But that's what everyone's experience is as a person of colour, as a refugee, Mm. you know, you feel different but these two different characters can kind of come together and embrace one another. So that's yeah. what the theme was about. Um and Counterpoints were very happy with the work. It was very <laughs> exciting. Um and everybody loved it. And then there was talk of a window installation or a mm-hmm. mural for the South Bank and working with the South Bank Center and the Royal Festival Hall was mentioned and it's a building that is my favourite building in London. Oh really? Yeah. I love it so much oh. being an architecture student yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, learning a lot about the architecture in London, the Royal Festival Hall, because of its openness mm-hmm. and the way you can kind of walk in from the South Bank at multiple levels. Yeah. And the building opens itself out once you get in there and reveals itself even further. And there are these big communal spaces in the kind of ground floor area. Yeah. So it was really good. So yeah, the Royal Festival Hall, I was very excited and then I went on a site visit and it was kind of, it came to um, a couple of areas where we could install a mural or a window installation. Mm. And we picked a window that was very, very prominent on the South Bank. It was between two restaurants right on the South Bank with the London Eye right nearby. Mm. And the window was very deep, so I decided that we could do an installation of these kind of um silhouettes these cutouts that could, could be staged at different kind of positions within this um, window uh, depth yeah to create this kind of more environmental you know experiential kind of feeling um, and then I had to adapt the you know poster artwork which was kind of like a, a portrait A2 piece mm. into this very large landscape piece so yeah. I added some more kind of settings and and stage elements and <laughs> yeah created this window installation
1: it's it was really really good it's amazing and it <laughs> i think it was so important as well that idea of like yeah obviously of compassion and also the idea of embracing someone especially at the moment where it's so the kind of government narrative is so poisonous i was wondering what place you think art has in creating social change or reaching people in ways that you know a a news article can't
0: I can only really speak of it from my experience on this project Mm. because we gave counterpoints and I gave the artwork out to as many people as possible to use it and adapt it in any way they wanted Mm. and we got feedback of posters being hung up in various windows of elements of the design being used for emojis and stickers, and kind of Aww. like places to put things, and it was really it was how we hoped the artwork was being used. it yeah. was being used, it was being made available, and people could kind of use it to then talk about their ideas with other people, so yeah, from that experience, I think art is incredibly important for mm-hmm. that reason um and yeah, very different to a kind of message on the internet where it's like you should do this, it's. Yeah. I think, giving people the opportunity to take part is one of the most important things yeah so making the artwork available and free to download and um and print off and kind of use how you want to is it gives people the agency and the kind of like drive to want to talk about their feelings through the work as well
1: absolutely and have you ever had any pushback from people online or in person or has it always been kind of positive
0: with this particular project, there was absolutely no one pushing back. Oh, it was very, very nice. So
1: nice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was treating it with positivity. And I think because CounterPoints and Choose Love, who we evolved yeah. were involved with, their presentation, how they present what they're about and what they do is with, they do it with positivity the same way yeah. I do it with my work. And the way I treat people is with positivity mm. and encouragement. So I think because of that, it was very much responded back that way I yeah think. the age-old lesson of if you treat people nice you'll get treated nice. yeah you know? so i'm glad we didn't get any amazing <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> i was a little worried because it was so prominent on the south bank i thought mm. the thing might get vandalized or something but the people at the south bank ensured me that it was it was a, an area for celebration yeah. The South bank it's not one for you know for retaliation in any way so i'm glad
1: Amazing. That's the best news ever. <laughs> and um, I wanted to talk to you actually kind of drawing on that and the idea of a mural about your the relationship with your art between kind of your online profile where you have lots of followers online and then kind of doing these public art projects. And so um, beyond Refugee Week, you also had an immense mural in Saatchi and Saatchi, I think. And also then different projects like a... Um, a basketball court that you designed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how do you like what's your relationship to public art do you prefer doing big murals or is it kind of something new and and you you know creates new challenges
0: well another um adaptation of the refugee uh week project was that choose love were involved mm-hmm. and they at the very end of the window installation at the south bank they said hey we've got an opportunity to work with glastonbury festival yes we want to put this installation as an animation either side of the pyramid stage and this is a very public piece of artwork you know this is 200,000 people kind of seeing it on a daily basis over a three-day weekend so my relationship with that I got very excited and Mm. I got very encouraged because I got some images back of the animations playing either side of the stage and my heart got very warm and I you know Mm. my eyes kind of started to tear up because of the amount of people that would have seen that piece of work yeah and apparently it played right before Elton John's oh my
1: set so I was
0: very excited so my relationship with public art is that I I love it I want people mm. I want more people to kind of see and engage in the ideas that I'm trying to put forward yeah. which are about positivity I've always been someone that I've always been someone that's about positivity and kind of like encouragement so mm. the messages that I like to put out there are to a wider audience yeah um, the Saatchi and Saatchi mural was it's um, sadly a private um, mural because it's in the offices oh, of Saatchi and Saatchi. Okay. So I only get, I, I get the occasional message from a client <laughs> of Saatchi's who's like, hey, I saw your mural. It was really good. I was like, thank you. That's very much. So um, um, it's a, you know, that one's a very different yeah. um, response. And things like the basketball court, that was a free project I did for oh, a, really? a council in um ethics I think I believe but I was just like yeah I'm happy to do this because it was about I would have loved to play on a core like that when I was a kid yeah I'm happy to do that kind of stuff so yeah I tend to work for on private commission jobs on film posters things that are very you know close to my heart Mm. and then I also work on these big public things and my approach to it all has always been to try something new every time not to repeat oneself so yeah um, I may not do another window installation again, but if I do, it'll be very different to the yes. Refugee Week one. Um, my first sculpture project is coming out in next month and it's very, it, very yeah. different to what, anything I've done before. So, yeah, it's, it's the approach is always to engage with the public and do something different. But I am getting that um, fix or I'm getting that mm. kind of like excitement for public art. So I'm yes. sure it feels like an avenue I'd like to go down a bit more.
1: Amazing. And so the one you have coming up, is that called Rangoli Mirrored Cosmos?
0: That's correct. Yeah, Rangoli Mirrored Cosmos. Um, going into the kind of cosmology of like, you know, this getting really surreal now with the kind nice. of work that I'm trying to make and yeah, stepping into a, a bit of a, a wacky world there with the title. Um. Um, but it was A commission from the now gallery and Mm -hmm. the greenwich peninsula yeah um the greenwich peninsula kind of approached me and they wanted to do a sculpture project for diwali
1: yeah
0: and um they wanted they you know they wanted to hire me to kind of make something and um my initial concept was around lanterns because Mm. you know we hang lanterns during diwali and it's a festival of light so that was something quite exciting and by that point I I had pitched this lantern idea but it, it it was ended up being too expensive and potentially too j- dangerous because <laughs> I designed these giant lanterns <laughs> hang, hanging from the sky and it was a bit like maybe we could maybe uh, no. do something more grounded so mm. <laughs> i came back with an interpretation of a rangoli mandala flower Mm. which we uh, you know i'm not a religious person but within the world of uh diwali and celebrating diwali one of the things that people do is that they make these giant rangoli flowers made of kind of powder and Mm. they like set them in the entrances of homes and Mm. during this during the festive season to kind of bring in good spirits and ward off bad ones and i was like that's it i can adapt one of those into a contemporary way the same way i'm doing with my illustration work i can kind of grab this thing that is used traditionally and adapt it in a contemporary way so wow i made a designed a design to kind of 3d version of this flower that's kind of coming out of the ground um, with a light source in the middle so wow. it's a giant it is a rangoli but it's a modern interpretation of it yeah and the mirrored cosmos thing comes from a mandala is a kind of Um, cosmology map so it's very much uh, talking about a universe within itself Mm. so the petals that we've designed have a kind of um, silver high gloss silver paint and they like they reflect the light source in the center and each petal is a kind of universe within itself. Wow. And we as humans are a universe within ourselves. Yeah. So it's very much this idea of kind of reflecting oneself within the universe.
1: Wow, that sounds beautiful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I need to get better at talking about it because it's coming up. <laughs> and I need to have a better way of speaking about you it.
1: You speak because... about it very well. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> when will it be? When is it coming out? When I believe launch? it installs
0: early September. And then we have a launch party mid-September. And I'll be doing some events over Diwali and it'll be on hopefully for an entire year. Wow. So people will have a chance to go and see it and yeah. visit it and kind of see what it's about.
1: Oh, sounds absolutely amazing. I'm
0: so excited. I've never been able to do something this big, you know, for in, in such a prominent place. Yeah. And it was all because I kind of called up the Now Gallery and said, hey, can we work together? Oh, wow. <laughs> I do that a lot with my work. I <laughs> called up Green Man and said, can we work together?
1: That is such a good lesson, though, to just <laughs> ask. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I believe the CounterPoints team kind of initially got in touch with me to kind of share some things that they wanted to present. And then yeah. I was like, I'd love to do this. Actually. And they were like, let's go.
1: <laughs> well, it's nice to see that the kind of, from what you described the student in you that was being told like you know you've got to you know you've got the ideas but you don't have the you know the ways to structure it it feels like that's now out the window because you're, <laughs> you've got these ideas and they're all coming out and it's all about delegation
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> work with really good people who have the skill set yeah. in fabrication in industrial design mm. you know in all of these things i can have the kind of wacky weird idea and then, <laughs> I can maybe hand it over to trusted people to kind of materialize it and build it and stuff. Yeah, um, I'm working with a fabricator called Studio Make Create who are okay. building the. Um, Rangoli Mirrored Cosmos sculpture. Okay. And I went to Green Man this weekend and realized that the fabricator also worked with Green Man oh, on nice. sort of sourcing <laughs> a lot of their merchandise materials. Yeah. And it was a very pleasant surprise that she was there behind the merch stand. So Aww. it's a very small world, but yeah. it's, it's great to kind of build a network of, of people to kind of work with.
1: Absolutely. Well, guy, it's been so great to chat to you. We've basically run out of time, but I wanted to just ask you as a final question. of apart from this uh, new public work you've got, what else are you working on? What else have you got coming up?
0: So what I've got coming up is a holiday to Mexico. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking some time off. Um, oh. Right after the sculpture launches, I'm kind of going to a friend's wedding. Nice. Um, but before that, I've got two private commission film posters. Okay. That are, are going to be revealed soon. Um another film poster that's still under contract so i can't really
1: talk about it okay
0: lots of film posters and records and things like that um i can't i'm planning for next year i'm talking to Mm. south bank center i'm kind of gonna get back in touch with choose love and um see if i can do more festival work because i had such a fun experience at green man so i'm trying to make some plans and speak to the lovely people i've worked with this year and see if we can work again together next year so amazing yeah
1: well it all sounds great and you have a very well deserved holiday <laughs>
0: <laughs> my first holiday since before covid so oh my gosh. yes yeah. yeah i need it <laughs> you need it
1: well thank you so much it's been such a pleasure chatting to you
0: thank you very much it's been a real pleasure thank you
1: We'd like to thank Moragaya for joining us for this week's episode. If you'd like to learn more about his work, as always, you can find links in the episode description. And thank you for joining us for another episode of the Art podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, please do go back and leave a review, follow us and share it with friends and family you think would enjoy it as well. Only with your help can these important stories be heard. Thanks for listening and we'll be back soon with season five.